The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with them. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to Last week, we began Lent by hearing the gospel of Jesus facing his own 40 days out in the wilderness and then being tempted by the devil. And from that first week began this theme for us to journey through, uh, which are the five temptations we face nearing the end of life, ultimately nearing death. Uh, so the, it comes from the book, uh, The Art of Dying Well. And so we face temptations of doubt, we face temptations of despair, we face temptations of impatience, of seeking vainglory and avarice or greed. And yet each of those temptations has a counter virtue to aid us to actually respond. With doubt, we counteract that with faith. And so in that gospel, Jesus' own temptation, recognizing like there's moments where we're tempted to doubt, we're tempted to question God's will for us. We're tempted to, to wonder if what we do really matters, if the decisions we make actually have an impact. And within that, we see this element of faith rise, that the faith is to continue on regardless of the certitude of that answer. Faith to say that tomorrow is coming because it has come that the Lord is going to do good because he has done good. And so we live in a place of faith, the first of the theological virtues, because God has told us he will care for us. Now, this week, we face the second temptation, that of despair. And despair is actually counteracted with the second theological virtue, hope. But the first question that maybe comes up is, what is real despair, and how is that any different from doubt? Well, one writer says that healthy doubt ultimately leads us to embrace a new sense of life and truth. If we uh, doubt something in a healthy way, we, we will question, we will come to grow in knowledge, and that will actually lead us to uh, a greater truth, a greater understanding. So when we doubt things of the faith, it should lead us to bring up questions, and in discovering the answers to those questions, having a more complete truth. 
and then that truth leaves us with joy. But despair is not finished until it has taken us to rock bottom and beyond. At least that's what this writer says. So despair is not just the uncertainty, but it is saying nothing will ever get better. I'm doomed. And so it makes perfect sense that the counteraction of that is hope because hope, whether you knew this or not, is often symbolized through the uh, image of an anchor. And what do anchors do? Keep things from blowing about in storms. Unless you're on my grandpa's boat and the anchor just goes down because you didn't tie it to the boat. (laughs) Then you have a problem. So always tie your anchor to the boat. We didn't ever find that anchor, by the way. (laughs) Because it's down there forever. (laughs) But that's what hope is meant to do. It, It actually prevents us from being in such a place of darkness. So how does that work in this gospel today? Because this gospel doesn't really seem to emphasize despair. No, in fact, this gospel emphasizes hope. So in this gospel... We know that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. They go up this high mountain, and he's transfigured. He shows them the glorified body. He gives them hope for the future. The things I've told you, the things that are going to happen, this is how it's going to work out. And so maybe you you realize or not, but Moses and Elijah, they have a particular purpose. They represent uh, the testimony of the law and the prophets. So Moses is the law, and Elijah is the prophets. They're the Old Testament figures. We've, we've heard that before. Maybe we know that. But on top of Mount Sinai, for them to be there is actually for them to witness to the surpassing glory of Jesus, who is now the new lawgiver and the new prophet because he's part of the new covenant. And so all of that was in the old is now being made new. Jesus is our hope. He demonstrates for us the glorified reality that awaits us after our death. Now when Peter, you know, he's up there and he's like, this is awesome, we should stay here forever, I'm going to build some houses. And we hear that and we can think, oh Peter, you fool, because you just make rash decisions all the time. That's not really fair for Peter today. In fact, Peter, he faces that temptation to remain. He's like, this is so good. Why does he want to stay there? What's really happening? We have to think about this. Why would Peter be so adamant about not leaving? He sees the good and wishes to prolong the heavenly experience. Peter is witnessing heaven. He's witnessing what we all want, hopefully. And in so doing, he says, this is good. We should stay here. The problem, if anything, is that he forgets about the mission. He forgets that we actually have to go back down. We have to fulfill because this is just a glimpse. This isn't the end. The end doesn't come until we go through that horrific reality, the passion. But Jesus wants them to have hope because if they don't have hope, they're not going to be able to withstand the mission. They're just going to get stuck in despair and think this is the rock bottom. I'm doomed forever. But they actually know that's not the truth. They know that actually Jesus has a plan, and that's something that waits for us. 
So when we also hear in this gospel the command, listen to him, the Father says to the disciples, listen to him, it gives us the hope to believe more in Jesus. Trust him. He's not crazy. He has a plan. It's my mission, and he's completing it. Stay with him. So then, the fa- then Jesus comes over to them so beautifully and says, rise. After they fall and prostrate, rise and do not be afraid. We can add it to that. Rise, do not be afraid. Have hope. Follow me. So this confident desire for glory and rest and blessing, it, it keeps the believer from drifting. That's why hope is an anchor. It secures us to something. The catechism goes on and explains a lot more about hope. It just it says, hope is the theological virtue where we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness. That's why Peter didn't want to leave. He was experiencing heaven and eternal happiness. He was hopeful. It goes on, it says, hope keeps man from discouragement. It sustains him during times of abandonment. If despair is rock bottom, I've got nothing left, hope is what keeps me from that. Isn't it cool how things work out? Like, minds are being blown right now. I can see it. Your eyes are like, whoa! Okay, good. You're still with me. And then it, it kind of wraps it up with this. Hope, it talks about like the Christian hope unfolds from the beginning of Jesus' preaching. And that's in the Beatitudes. So again, the whole Sermon on the Mount, right, that whole like two chapters worth, it begins with the Beatitudes. That's the hope. That's, that's the promise. That's what's guaranteed. All right, I got to find this. This is from the Catechism. I just want to make sure I say this right. So these are from different scripture passages. But through the merits of Jesus Christ and of his passion, God keeps us in the hope that does not disappoint Hope is the sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And that's in Hebrews. That's where we get that image symbol of of the anchor. It affords us joy even under trial. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. We're at the point in Matthew where when they come down, they're getting very, very close to entering into Jerusalem, entering into the Passion. We're getting very close to that. Jesus knows this. He's going to tell them once again, I have to go and die. They're going to they're gonna spaz out for a second, and then they're going to realize, no, actually, we have hope. It's okay. It affords us joy under trial. Lent, I've said this, Lent is where we need to die well in order to live well. If we aren't dying to the stuff of the world, we don't have then this hope or this joy or this faith, we're not going to live well at the end of Lent. And so it kind of wraps up this. We can therefore hope in the glory of heaven promised by God to those who love him and do his will. We can hope in the glory of heaven. That goes back to Peter's hope. I want to stay here. This is good. And he's not wrong. But there's more to the mission. It preserves us to the end. We need hope in the Lenten season to get to the end. To get to the Easter joy, we, ha- we can't just rush it. There's a, there's a reason for the purification. There's a reason for the dying, the falling away of the, the things of the world. So that there's space for God to do more good stuff for us. Hope is our anchor today. Hope is what 
keeps us moving in the midst of the storm, the trials, the tribulations. Hope is what Peter and James and John encountered at the transfiguration. In our own mass, when the body and the blood of Jesus Christ is presented to us because it has been transformed from just bread and wine, we gaze upon hope. Hope that our Savior is fulfilling his promise. I will be with you until the end of time. I will fill you. I will feed you. I will provide for you. He gives us the spiritual nourishment we need. And so our task for this week is to boldly, as it should always be, and simply, which sometimes it's not, just ask God for hope. To go to him and say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I hope and believe in you. Lord, I have hope for what is coming because I know there's a, a, something greater at the end of this. You will not leave me to despair. You don't want that for me. Help me counteract those experiences with the truth of hope. Hope that begins and ends with the crucifixion that's completed and satisfied through his death and resurrection so that we can desire the kingdom and eternal life. Brothers and sisters, this is the great promise for us. So we ask the Lord to be sealed with the virtue of hope.